0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of SIS Master's Podcast. I'm Arnold Rejard, founder of Sports Innovation Society, and I interview for you some of the best experts in the sports industry. Today I welcome Jesse Lovejoy, who had been leading the 49ers educational programs the last 10 years. He has developed the Niners Museum at Levi Stadium, created the STEAM program experienced by half a million kids, and launched EDU Academy at the Niners. Hello JC Lovejoy, how are you today in the beautiful Santa Cruz in California?
1: I am well my friend, um, yeah things are things are beautiful, it's been a little heat wave here um, the last week or so, So, but today is 75 degrees and light breeze and clear sky, so
0: I, I cannot complain, I will not complain. You sound how like, are you? you? You sound like a pilot who's happy about the climate. <laughs> I'm doing very good. Very good in Guadalajara, Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Great day coming right there. And it starts well with our conversation. Thanks for your time, my friend. And I can tell that the sports and education market can be very happy. They have a new free agent available after 10 years at the San Francisco 49ers. How do you feel about that?
1: Oh, I feel super excited. Uh, you know, there's there's never been a better time to be a part of this world. Uh, The the interest in inspiring young people through sports is palatable. Organizations are increasingly looking to invest in these programs, to build these programs, to, to participate in these programs. You have even more kind of traditional formal educational institutions understanding the value of using the things that young people care about to get them to buy in further to subjects to 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 round them out from a life skills component you know these are great times for for steam education and for youth empowerment and education and for me personally having been you know, with with the organization for nearly a decade, coming to understand, a lot, meeting folks like you and meeting folks all over the world who believe in the power of sport to, to do good. Um, it's super uh, exciting and, and interesting to be in that world looking through a different lens, as I am now.
0: Hmm. So an exciting moment, no doubt, in a great context where eventually purpose makes every day more sense but for our audience to understand tell us more about your profile and experience because you already mentioned some very strong words very important words like stem or steam uh we'll mm-hmm. go back into details after but tell us more about your profile your personal experience sure uh
1: well i'll I'll do the first 10 years of my career in about 30 seconds. I I graduated from San Diego State University. I studied communications. I worked in public relations in a number of different agencies and environments um, for about a decade. And I realized that it wasn't for me. I I had a number of things happen in my life that led me to understand that I needed to choose a a purpose driven path. And for me, that always was going to be working with young people. Um, I had been a volunteer coach. I had been a, in the US, we have a program called Big Brothers, Big Sisters, which is kind of like a mentoring program. Um, so I was involved in that. Uh, I was, had always just really enjoyed teaching. And so I started to to teach. I, I was a substitute teacher for a little while. Um, and then I taught English at a language academy for almost three years where I used um, real life experiences to help students understand how to learn and speak English. And that was when I started to realize that you can use these intrinsic areas of interest to get people to be more interested in something and to learn something easier. And then I I, I took a job at the San Diego Hall of Champions, which is a sports museum in San Diego, California, where I was responsible for all the youth programming. and, And so this is things like, Basketball clinics and soccer clinics and rugby events and these kinds of things. And I started to build in educational components to those programs. And it was then when the light went on for me that sports, something I've always done, something I've always loved, and education could be married. And they could be married to the benefit of young people anywhere. So that led me to pursue a a job with the San Francisco 49ers back in 2013, which was responsible for creating a STEAM education program science, technology, engineering, art, and math using the game of football in Levi Stadium to interest young people in these subjects and also to build the 49ers Museum, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a 20,000 square foot museum dedicated to the past, present and future of the San Francisco 49ers. So this position allowed me to truly understand the capacity for impact and change and really powerful connection making that the world of sport has with, with the world of education. So in that in that role, um, I created what is now called 49ers EDU mm-hmm. um, and, you know, this is something I'm sure we'll talk about in, in much more depth. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and I've, I've been, I was there until just a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, I've visited you a couple of times at the Dubai Stadium, the museum, the state-of-the-art museum. And the infrastructure, infrastructures you build built uh, for the STEAM programs are fantastic. We'll go into details when we speak about the concrete programs you managed. Um, but many people do not know the why of STEAM, why it is so important if you're talking about current global workforce and what is required uh for young generations if you want if they want to get a job in the future. Um can you t- let us know about the why, the reason to be of STEAM programs?
1: Sure. Uh well you 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 touched on the most macro issue, which is workforce. So there are lots of statistics that you can find to articulate the need to have young people be interested and study science and math specifically. But the the one that I always am am the most astounded by is that a child who enters first grade right now, 90% of the jobs that she will attain when she graduates college don't exist yet. Right. And, and the vast majority of those are anchored in <laughs> technology, in innovation, in things that require an interest and a knowledge base in everything from data science to mechanical engineering to, you know, pick one, you know, sustainability and material science. So these are things that we know the world needs organizations that can excel in these industries in order to solve the most pressing global issues, right? Climate change, you know, pick one, (laughs) Uh, health and wellness, right? Childhood obesity. Um, There are so many different things that, that are anchored in industrial innovation. And industrial innovation is anchored in knowledgeable employees. And knowledgeable employees come from all the way back when kids are young, And they are coming to understand who they are as a learner. What do they care about? And another set of statistics that are very easy to find will tell you that if if you do not reach a young person with a way for her to believe in the power and interest and, and coolness of science or math by the time she's in second or third grade, she's gone. Right. She will not ultimately develop that love. And we need that love because that is what will, will turn her back and face her, allow her to face her challenges and get through the things that are hard about learning those subjects. So programs like 49ers EDU programs that specifically, excuse me, um, reach out to kids for, in areas furthest from resource and opportunity and show them. That these subjects are relevant, they're interesting, they're accessible, that then transforms that young person into somebody who says, okay, I like that. I want to learn more about that. Give me more. So that was a little bit of a long answer to a relatively short question, but it really boils down to the fact that we need a lot. The world needs to, to be producing college graduates that are or or high school graduates that get, go on to, to go and, and get certified in a trade field that understand the importance of of steam and are ready to yeah. pursue careers
0: yeah so you want to use the power you use you don't want to you do it use the power of support to create an interest in the kids at young age uh, because if you don't engage them at this age then you might be losing the interest forever on key topics and key materials, um, not materials, but just subjects. Subjects uh, that, that, that could that we be the driver of the jobs of the futures that we don't know yet.
1: Exactly, and some that we do, you know. But but yes, I mean, what we know, for example, that the field of data aggregation, analytics, and data science has, in just in the last five years alone, has grown exponentially because everything that is, you know, IOT, AI, th- these things are based on massive uh, need for data aggregation yeah. analysis and, and acting on data and, and all the different verticals that are required to, to make that happen. And that's a field that didn't even exist 10, 15 years ago, at least not in the way that it does now. So you just think about what that would look like 10, 15 years from now, yeah. right? What but, and, and the thing that's central to it is science, math, right? No matter what, no matter which direction it goes, those are the skills that will be required. They will change over time in terms of how they're taught and how they're applied. But there's a fundamental need to, to convince young people to care about these subjects. And the way, oftentimes, to convince young people to care about something, especially peop- young children who do not have the same access to resource and opportunity as others is to use something that they love, which is where sport comes in. And that's because if I hand a young person coming from a very difficult environment, a textbook or a Bunsen burner (laughs) or a dry erase board with an algebra problem on it, they're likely not gonna have a great response to that. But if I can introduce them to the concept of physics by throwing and kicking a football, that's a whole lot different and the work that we do requires a partnership and participation in an ecosystem that's much bigger than than sport and stem right like we are not the end we're the beginning and we can be supportive along the way but and that's why you need to you need to be an active member of this world that the young people have to live in right you have to to ensure that what you're teaching aligns with what they're learning in the classroom, you have to equip the educators with materials so that they can continue to get stronger in these fields. You have to, you know, understand what the whole continuum looks like for a young person from, from being, you know, in kindergarten to, to being in high school. Um, and then be sure that you're finding the right spots to intervene and, and to, to make something happen.
0: That's fantastic. But you mentioned 10 years ago, the world was very different The importance of AI. The analytics were a lot lower. Obviously, there's been a massive evolution and there will be and it's going to be exponential and the speed of the change of changes is always quicker. Uh, that means it's even more relevant what you do. But it's very far away from the core business of, of a sports organization, uh, very far away in most sports organization and they want a team to compete and succeed and generate profit. And here you're talking purpose, education, uh, power for sport uh, to make a difference in people's life. Where did where did it come from? Because that was ten years ago. Uh, no, it might be more common or not. You will tell me. But where did it come from? Uh, that consciousness of we can do something. Why not doing it?
1: I mean, ultimately that decision is made by leadership at an organization and the 49ers organization back in 2013 made a commitment to its community right the, the thing that we didn't really talk too much about was that these two programs were built and constructed in commensurate with Levi stadium so the the home of the 49ers we they played in san francisco for you know 40 plus years and moved to Santa Clara in Silicon Valley um, and opened the stadium in 2014. So part of creating what is now called 49ers EDU was about really being a strong community member. And and education just happened to be an area of desired focus for the ownership group of the 49ers. So one thing that, that you mentioned is you're right, programs... That are um, philanthropically minded, community focused, are not inherent to the the business objective of a sports team, but I would argue they are increasingly important because of what individuals are looking for from how they spend their time, how they spend their their disposable dollars. The organizations. Whom they support. You know, what you expect out of the team that you support, I think, as a fan of that team, is different now than it was 10 years ago. And it will be different in 10 years than it is now. And I think right now, things like environmental responsibility, think about that 10, 15 years ago, the degree to which you're presented with information about what an organization is doing to be responsible to the environment, the ways in which you're allowed to interact with that when you interact with that organization. 10, 15 years ago, dramatically different than now, right? And I think the the responsibility of an organization to look to its community and support its community in organic, authentic ways is has always been there and will continue to be there. And I think the thing that's Most interesting from a business standpoint for sports teams is that sponsors, partners, organizations that are looking to come in and and be the official XXYYZZ of the 49ers are increasingly saying, we want to be a part of work that is bigger than just the, the football. Right? We understand that we understand this mechanism that the team has. We understand the draw the team has to give back to the community. So we want to be more and more a part of that. And we've seen that through 49ers EDU in in the past two to three years alone. The the interest and support of the work that we do or did, and they still do, um, has increased significantly from the corporate side. And it will only continue to do so. Because we now know that when you look at organizations and their recruiting strategies, you look at what organizations are doing to retain employees. You're looking at the types of things that the world is realizing are important when you're trying to attract and retain talent. Purpose-driven work is, is very, very high on that list. So finding different ways for organizations to to work with the community through partners that are in sport is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, and I think the percentage of dollars that are allocated from a sponsorship partnership deal to go towards community facing initiatives, that pie will continue to grow hmm. over time. One, because it's the right thing to do and two, because it offers a different way to amplify and show impact right a lot of times what organizations are looking for is a story to tell right if you know a candy bar company comes to the 49ers or any other team and wants to sponsor the team they want to sell their candy bars in the stadium right that's definitely part of it they probably want to put signage up right and they want to have more people that go to the games by candy bars but what the candy bar company is also thinking about more and more is hmm, what's the right thing for us to be doing to make sure that we're we're serving the people who are purchasing our products, right? And they have to think more about that. So they're they're actively looking for more ways to work with their partners to bring programs like that to market or to support them. Uh, And so I think sports teams will increasingly find, and organizations and leagues, increasingly find themselves in a position to bring those those programs to market to the benefit of millions of young people all over the world.
0: Hmm. So that means you've Throughout the years, you've been succeeding in building a virtual circle between sports organizations, uh, the kids, uh, well, because it's your main target with EDU, uh, and brands to uh, scale the projects and improve the project. Did you go through, did you go up to co creating projects with the brands, with the corporate world? Well,
1: yes, from a, for us, the, the project would be the curriculum right? It would be the content that we teach. And yes, is the answer. And that is when I spoke about the increase in in interest and partnership over the course of the past two, three years, that has shot through the roof. And one of the main reasons for that was, was COVID and, and digital virtual learning, because it allowed us to move to a model where we were delivering content, you know, on demand. Um, and it was video. It was virtual. It was interactive. And we realized that that was a great forum to engage and in, in provide a um, an opportunity for our partners to, to teach through us. So, to give you an example, because sometimes that helps, um, in Levi Stadium, right? Everyone knows what okay. Levi's are. Um, Levi's organization, um, for many years, has been uh, working towards uh, improved environmental sustainability with relationship to. to making its products. And one of the things the organization has done is put a very strong focus on water conservation in the course of the past two or three years. So it also happens that Levi Stadium has a number of initiatives in place to capture, reclaim, and redistribute water um, as part of its plan to be sustainable. So we did a lesson for 49ers EDU on how Levi's company looks at water conservation in garment production, how Levi's stadium looks at water conservation in terms of collecting gray water and using it to water plants and all kinds of other things. Um, And then we, we attached a project for kids to do at home for them to understand different ways for them to save water in their homes and to advocate for saving water. And so those kinds of things we did over and over and over again um, with partners that would not normally be involved in education, at least not with the 49ers, but it allowed for a vehicle for that to happen. And when you can combine the the draw of the 49ers football brand, and in this case Levi's, your your interest from kids goes up, right? And that's where that's where the, the intrigue happens. So yes, we definitely Always try to find thoughtful ways to marry a partner's core business, an area of expertise with the 49ers. And that's something that any organization can do, any sports organization can do, because you will inherently have fans and people that are interested in what you do. Mm -hmm. And those fans, especially the kids, will likely not know the vast majority of things that are happening that support the play of the game one of the things we would focus on a lot is the number of of professions that are encapsulated in a football organization so many times if you go to a young person and you say i work for the the San Francisco 49ers they'll say oh or are, are you a player like were you a coach they don't understand <laughs> it's a business that has you know 500 people that work there and you know on a game day if, 4,000 people. And so you've got everything from doctors to executive chefs to groundskeepers to engineers to scientists. And so getting kids to understand that anything that I like is present in the things that I like, even if it's music or, or art, right? There are almost any profession can exist inside of an area of passion. Um, because there's industry
0: around all of them. So throughout the years, how many kids have been participating and in your programs, and how do you measure the impact? What uh, if the messages you want to transmit are past or not? Uh, interesting to see.
1: Yeah. So very proud of the fact that from 2014 until the start of this school year, more than a half. Million children participated for free in, in our program. Um, and the answer to how do you measure success is, is very different for a lot of the different programs. So it's important to realize that's not all in the same mechanism, right? Yeah. But the most important thing is to always, and this is, it may seem obvious, but, but unfortunately it's not always, is that you have to understand where you are. With a young person, right? What is their skill level entering the experience and what is their skill level exiting the experience? And so, being intentional about designing and implementing simple data collection tools around experiences like this is crucial because you have to know where you're going. So, we've always surveyed students and teachers as a part of our experience. And we've also, on the front end, always been very plugged into what California and the United States are doing in terms of setting up standards by which students and teachers are judged when they're in school. So everything, for example, that we designed from a curriculum is aligned to the common core and next generation science standards. And those are two very important bedrock learning structures in the state of California and the United States. So the first thing you have to do is, is make sure that you align to that. So what that basically means is that if I'm teaching you a math concept, when you're in second grade, when you come to visit me at Levi Stadium, you're going to be learning that math concept in class. So I'm going to su- support what the teacher is doing and not have it be different. And then as far as understanding the impact specifically to the work, it's just about asking the questions, right? You know what. And, and for us, it's, it's also crucial to, to recognize the goal. The goal for us is mindset shift, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot ultimately change what a young kid knows about physics or geometry or graphic design or anything else in an interaction two or three times. You can supplement something. But what you can do is you can change the way that they think about those things, how they see relevance in those things, if they even understand what it means. So that for 49ers EDU was always the goal. So when we identify that as the goal, you can measure that very easily. Yeah. How do you feel about this subject compared to when you first came here? Do you understand how it comes to life in the real world? What is a job that you can think of that involves? So these are the kind of questions that we would ask on the back end. And the results, you know specific to any one of those metrics, we're always extraordinarily positive. Hmm. And, and because you, because the experience was designed to achieve that, to recognize most kids won't know what physics is or they won't have a positive association. But if I can introduce it and then ask them again at the end, chances are I have improved the way that they
0: think and feel about that subject, which is the goal in and of itself. Mindset shift. So, yeah. you make goal. So, that means to have these positive answers uh, while well, feeling at the end, that means you made a positive connection uh, with the kids. Yes. How do you manage to make a positive connection? Um, and what is the program? Let's say I'm a kid, I'm going to the Levi Stadium. I can be super excited, not depending if you love American football or not. Maybe mm-hmm. everyone is not, eventually. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, and you say, "Oh, I'm going to spend a few hours there." What happens? How do you connect with them? Yeah.
1: So the structure of the experience, and again, we're, we're primarily focusing right now on the field trip program, which was and is the main component of 49ers Edu, uh, but there are other pieces to it. But it's it's not unlike a field trip that you would take as a young person to a science museum or to an outdoor learning environment. You would go to Levi Stadium you would tour Levi stadium you would tour the 49ers museum and the one thing that's dramatically different than any other organization in the world is that inside of Levi stadium there are four classrooms that have been constructed to service this program so you will go to a classroom sit down and have a lesson on one of these subjects and your entire experience during the day Will be informed by the lesson that's chosen by your instructor so for example if the instructor chose to learn about solar energy um then then during your tour you would go and see the solar bridges right where we have thousands of solar panels on top of the pedestrian bridges that take people across the creek to enter the stadium if your lesson is focused on structural engineering you will tour the stadium and look at a lot of the bracing and look at a lot of the main um, uh, infrastructure that's there to support and distribute the weight of the building. So these are all things that are thoughtful around connecting the experience to the subject that you're learning about. But I'm glad you asked the first part of the question because you asked, like, how do you connect with the kids, right? And I think the important thing to remember there is that it's very, very basic. you you give them a safe place to be. you you have good energy, you're positive you you allow them into your heart right you you show them with the way that you speak to them and with the way that you interact with them that they're welcome. Um, and that sounds so simple and so basic, but there are so many young people that have such a difficult life that when they enter into an environment, like Levi Stadium, where they likely will never be again, right? They'll, they'll never do something like like that. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly never be at a 49ers game. Um, they're already thinking like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And then if they have someone that meets them with a big smile and says, you're here to learn today, and I'm going to make that really easy on you and exciting, and we're going to do really fun stuff. I mean, these things can create a memory a feeling for a young person that will last for years. Um, And that is why programs like this are really impactful and important. Because the feeling that a young person will have around this experience opens them up to more impact, to something that they will remember, something that will move them so much different than just going to school one day, right? And trying to learn about a subject. So yeah, the, the experience itself is is very similar to a traditional field trip that you would have gone on plenty of as a young person, as did I. Mm. Um the, the main difference is is where it is um and the thing that you're gonna learn.
0: Yeah. And all this looks easy because you can listening to you, you can picture so many smiles and faces and so many good energy and wish to learn, understand. Uh, different physics and, well, phenomenon in general, and whether it is solar energy, environment, blah, blah, blah. So many positive things. But I'm sure along the process, everything has not been easy. Uh, So what would you say would be the main obstacles that you had to, um, to overcome to make it as successful as it is? First was skepticism
1: um you know the 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 educational ecosystem assuming that the work we were doing was for a sales or more marketing benefit Mm -hmm. um because that's usually what you will see um when you interact with a professional sports organization you will normally see education as a lever to revenue um and that was something that i worked very very hard on for a long time to make sure that the organization was supportive it would all the work's always going to be free. There, We will never try and sell them tickets. We will never try and sell them a hat. We will never try and get them to buy a membership to a fan group. That's not what this is for. That's not easy to do, right? Which leads me to the second obstacle, which is that it's very difficult to stay aligned to your values over time. Even if you start in that place very magnanimous very committed to equitable access and 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 not making it something you're going to trade on over time that tends to get whittled away i'm very proud of the fact that it never got there with the program when it was under my leadership so the major obstacle to true community Benefit and impact and access is staying committed to equitable free delivery. You cannot create a, a, a program like this and then put a price tag on it. Otherwise, the children who need it most will not get it, um, which is the whole reason for doing it. So, th- those two things are huge challenges, right? Because n- no matter what, a big, powerful Premier League side or NFL team or or NBA franchise, most people will automatically assume that if they're doing this, there must be some other reason, right? Like you alluded to, it's not core to the business, right? So you have to go out and work really hard to make sure that you prove to educators parents and kids what you're about and then you have to live those values over time because that's how it happens right you have to show up as the same person and same program
0: year over year that's not easy to do no and speaking about the education ecosystem how did they perceive that I, I would suppose same obstacles i would say oh, they do it for business not education yeah. um
1: no that was The primary skepticism was in that world. So one one of the first things that I did when I got the job was form a council of local educators, administrators, teachers, other nonprofit organizations, and just talk to them three or four times over the course of 12 to 18 months to say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Can you please help us make sure that what we're developing is going to be what you would use as a teacher? Is going to be what you would support as a principal. You would say, yes, you can go. It would be in line with what other informal education experiences look like. And that's just informal, the category used very commonly in the US to just talk about places where kids learn that is not school, hmm. right? After school programs, um, ch- church programs, science camps, field trips. So, It was very strategic to pull that group together because it gave us a lot of information we didn't have, and it allowed us to use this group as third-party credibility. This program has been vetted by people who are in this world, and in the consulting work that I've done for many, many other organizations all around the world, that is a core element of the approach, is you must engage the local community at the beginning. Speak to them in very plain terms about your objectives. Allow them to be a part of creating the content, the experience, and the energy. Because if you do that, they will help you. And if you don't, they will not. Uh, And they will be rightfully very skeptical. You may still deliver a program that is values driven and is very beneficial to young people, but it will be a lot harder. Um, so, yes, that group was the most skeptical, hmm. rightfully so, because I would have been the same way.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: I have a seven year old daughter. She's in second grade now. If I heard that, you know, the local NBA team was going to do something for her, I mean, my perspective might be different. But the vast majority of people would assume, oh, well, They they must be getting something out of that.
0: And and when's our brand's involved? Yeah. Even more. Even more, right.
1: And that is, you know, a whole other side of the story is, you know, having partners facilitates the ability to provide it for free. But you have to do that in a way where you don't compromise the integrity of the work, which is very... You can, you can see the blurry lines here, right? Like you have to, a great example that I al- often give about this subject is Chevron has been the founding partner of 49ers EDU since 2014. But never once have we taught a lesson about gas or industrial lubricants or crude oil, because that would be completely antithetical to what we, ta- we teach about football teach about Levi's stadium. So we we can do the lesson I told you about with Levi's because it's about Levi's and about Levi's stadium. And then we can introduce football. But what we can't do is have every company that comes in, teach the kids about whatever it is they do through the program. Um, because then you will slowly eat away at your credibility. And then you become nothing more than just a, a, a way for brands to reach people
0: yeah now we've been speaking about the obstacles uh, that you overcame by involving from the start by making these programs a program of everyone well not everyone but uh, education system brands sports organization and its different components very successful now if we go back to one or two fantastic memories the ones that you will say this i will never forget because this is what makes me wake up hmm that's
1: a difficult question to answer because there's so many categories of that right um i'm a teacher at heart so to me it's it's very small moments quiet moments with a young person who is having a bad day or who is, is not inclined to participate, but we see that young person light up or change the way that she or he feels. And that happened all, all the time, but that's hard to, that, that's not way really to answer the question. I think, cause I, that happens a lot. I understand the spirit of the question. And so I will say there are a couple of things. The very first day, um, when the buses pulled up outside of the museum and kids got off, And we were there and we did it, you know, and that was 18 months in development and, and it happened. And then it happened the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Um, But that, that moment of realization of something that had been fully like fully formed was, was very powerful. Um, I think uh, the way that so many of the players have supported the work over time. Um, so a lot of memories are anchored in um really unexpected involvement and support from the guys on the field. Not unexpected because they're not good people, because they are, but um just the amount of interest. Um I never forget uh because it's voluntary for them, right? Sure, of course, yeah. Um one of the very first video shoots we did to support 49ers edu it wasn't even called that back then was with a series of players to record videos to send to teachers before the students came and when they arrived to say oh you're coming to see us next week get ready you're going to learn about this and you're going to do that and that and so we had a bunch of players come in and one of those players was Colin Kaepernick Um, and a lot of people truly never understood Colin Kaepernick, and I won't present, pretend to understand him perfectly either, but I know what he did. He was our starting quarterback at the time, and he came in and he spent almost an hour in the studio talking to a teleprompter and just recording messages. for. I remember thinking, imagine being a kid on the other side of this, right? Imagine sitting down in your classroom on a Tuesday at 830 in the morning, just like, OK, great, another day of school. And your teacher says, we're going to, I want you to watch a video about where we're going next week. And then there's Colin Kaepernick, which for for Fort Natters fans is the same as if it, it's Leo Messi, right? I mean, it's like, this is the guy, right? And so I remember doing that with him and a number of other players and thinking like, this is why it will work. Because they will listen. Because he is the one sharing it. Now, it'll be our job to teach them when they get here. But the work is largely done when they when they hear from him. So I remember that because it was also like the first big video shoot that I did, and there have been a million other things along the way. But I will say, launching Edu Academy was a big deal for me because you know for the first four or five years of running the program, the, the interest from the outside in the work was significant. It continues to be right. Like how do we do this? How do we do it well? So realizing that I could actually create a business within the 49ers organization to create revenue, to support the work and also allow the work to manifest and grow and appear in other places was really exciting. Um, And it allowed me to to do so many neat things um, in so many great places and create programs that kids all around the world now can be a part in. Uh, And that's really cool.
0: And that's, maybe part of your future now.
1: <laughs> I hope so.
0: I do. I hope so. <laughs> um talking about uh, about two Is there anything you would have loved to do eventually differently when you look back now and say, well, you know what, Chase? It, <gasps> it could be even bigger that way. Of
1: I think the the biggest learning I have I was so um what's the word? I didn't understand the ability to work with partners at the level that we have the past two or three years. I do think the world has changed a lot, um, which I think has been a part of it. I think if I could go back and do it all over again, I think I would be more bullish on recruiting more financial support from more organizations and doing it in the right way. Because make no mistake, when I talk to organizations that are considering launching a program like this, one of the number one or two on the value proposition is this gives you a chance to have unique inventory to sell, right? Now, you should do that in a responsible way. You can do that. You you can still make your money and have the experience on the, for the end user be very, very pure. Um, that just takes attention and time and, and strategy and values. But I think I would probably go back and look at that more strategically. Because if we had done it that way from the beginning, the endowment around supporting the work probably would have been a lot larger. And I do think that it would have also exposed the program to different kinds of opportunities and different things that we could teach. I go back to that Levi's example over and over because in California, water con- there's no more relevant thing <laughs> than water conservation, right? We're in a drought in this state right now. We're almost always are. So kids know about it. So I think how many more of those kinds of things would I have found if I were actively talking to partners about that kind of thing? Um, So that's that's one thing I I probably would like to do differently um, and strategically. Uh, And then I think, you know, we always did a lot to involve the staff and the organization in our work. But I think there's probably room to be even more inclusive. Um, and find ways to service more of the people who contributed to the organization. Like we would have, if anybody had a kid whose school wanted to come, they, they would always get to come. And we would have special events sometimes that serviced families and and friends. But there probably could have been a way for us to be a little bit more. To design some things that were specific for the kids and families and communities that were within the 49ers organization, because it's really special. And I've ever, whenever we would have parents, 49ers employees who would bring their kids and then get to go and be in, it would always be the smile. It's just like, you know, because it's a very proud thing, you know, to be a part of something that your kid's experiencing with their friends and their peers um, and to be the one who stands up in front of them and says, Yeah, I work here and I do this or that or the other. That's a, a feeling that is very, if you haven't had it and you have children, seek it out because being a part of their learning in a, in a formative, positive way, there's nothing like it. Hmm. Oh,
0: beautiful. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt said, The future belongs to Zeus who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Know uh, you're a free agent. You've done so much beautiful things with the 49ers, impacting hundreds of thousands and even more because that's only the kids going to the program, but that means that all their surroundings is, is impacted at the end. Uh, so what are you dreaming of? What's next for you? What, what do, where, do, where do you want to contribute?
1: I feel like I might get emotional with the nature of how you set that question up, my friend, because that was a beautiful <laughs> way to do it um you know honestly what i find myself doing is examining the things that are central to my passion and my values and my character and thinking Mm -hmm. about the same things that led me to create 49ers edu exist within a lot of different worlds right so music art Mm -hmm. um things that nature just things that, that are so core to who children are, play, uh, singing, dancing. So understanding how to use those things as a way to provide them with skills and empowerment and interest and, and love. I still come back to sport because I know, I know how universal it is. Even if a young girl doesn't like NFL football, or young boy for that matter. And she goes, it's not about the football. It's it's about the experience with their classmates. It's about the experience in general. It's about the subject. So my dreams are of the opportunity to keep working with young people in a way where they're happy and they have access to things And they get these moments where they believe in themselves and they leave those moments feeling different about their future. And then the teachers that are with them see that happen and they realize that the kids that maybe they thought they had might be a little different or they realize something about themselves that's different. Or they think about how a subject they teach could be presented differently in a different light. So I want to be a part of something like that. And what really ultimately matters to me the most is I want to do it for people and with people that I can look in the eye and know are doing it because they believe the same things, right? Because over time, that becomes the most important thing. Um, align, align with your values. And and that you're with people that, that you believe in and that whom believe in you. Um, so I would tell Miss Roosevelt that I do believe in the power of my dreams. And I'm, I'm still dreaming them, I guess, to a degree. Um, but really, you know, finding my way to be involved in, in some projects in the short term that, you know, can can be connected to the sports world and, and learning, I think, is the very, very immediate future. Um, and then the long-term future is a little bit more undecided. But, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people um, that have been through something similar to me. And the universal direction and feedback is always be present in the moments with your family, in the quiet moments, in the process. Um, And that is what I'm 100 percent committed to right now. So I have both my dogs taking a nap next to me right now. (laughs) Um, They're both snoring. I don't know if you can hear them. (laughs) Um, I get up early and I walk them before the sun comes up now because it's quiet. I spend every morning with my 20-month-old daughter making her breakfast and just being silly and reading books and, um, you know, being in my older daughter's class and being in nature, being in the ocean. Um, So I think these are things that I'm committed to in the short term because that is the stuff that will ultimately help you distill down and recognize the opportunity when it comes. Yeah. so that's what I'm waiting for.
0: And uh, when you look at you, what you've achieved in the last 10 years, I'm very curious to see when we have the next conversation in 10 years, a lot of things will have happen very positively. <laughs> we don't know why ah. so that's the interesting part. Now, before closing this great conversation, I've got a ritual, a series of quick questions for quick answers.
1: And I will give those to you quickly, Arno. before you ask them. I want to thank you um, for what you just said and the way that you've approached it. Uh, a, you're a warm soul, a great person. So it's really, really pleasure for me to be here. And thank you for what you said. So let's go.
0: Quick questions, quick answers. Thanks to you, my friend. What is your favorite athlete, favorite athlete ever? Ever? Yeah. Buster Posey. Who? <laughs> uh,
1: San Francisco Giants. Catcher won a number of World Series championships. I, not a lot of people know this, but I'm a much bigger Giants fan than I am the 49ers fan. Uh, I grew up in a baseball house. Uh, and so Buster Posey is my, my generation's best giant. Cool. Favorite sport event? Sport event? Yeah. That I've been to or to watch? In general. Hmm. That I've been to. Um, would be the college football playoff national championship because of the energy. Um, my favorite sport event in general? hmm, It's very difficult. You know, I've only been to one Premier Premier League match, um, and it was at Ellen Road. The first time I went to a Leeds match, and I'd never been to anything like that before. Um, so I hope that I can go to another Premier League match uh, match at some point at a really big stadium. Stamford Bridge was also another. So so I think the this is not a quick answer. I'm sorry. Uh, but it's sports that I'm not familiar with yeah, and I venues see. that I'm
0: not familiar with. Your favorite spot even is the next one. You go, you don't know yet. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> Favorite stadium. Easy one.
1: Well, not easy though. Um,
0: Wrigley Field in Chicago loveable losers yeah Yeah. not not anymore losers yeah Um, favorite sound in the stadium crack of the bat yeah (laughs) the sound the
1: sound of a really well hit ball that you can tell instantly with your eyes closed or if you're getting a beer or if you're looking down you know that that ball is either going out
0: or it's you know been hit really hard cool a bit outside of sports. What what turns you off? Oh, uh,
1: not much. Uh, but I think inauthenticity. Right. I just want people to be who they are. What turns you on? Real life, things that I can touch, um, beautiful noises, being outside. Your favorite word. My favorite word. Persnickety. What? Per <laughs> persnickety, which means kind of like picky. It just sounds cool and it's it's got good syllables
0: and good <laughs> structure. One piece of advice you've received uh you would love to share? It was very recent
1: and I will change the words a little bit, but the advice was you'll be amazed at who does not support you in times of crisis and you will be amazed at who does. So the idea was you may not understand the people that are truly your biggest friends or the, or the, those closest to you. And you may overvalue ones that, that you, um, that you think.
0: Interesting and surprising one. <laughs> what does it mean to you to be happy?
1: Oh, it's very um, these are very like uh philosophical questions, I, or maybe I'm just taking them that way. Um, yeah, it's very important to be happy, and I think it's very simple, you know, just being uh, around those I love and, and those with whom I share common interest in a in a very pure, easy way.
0: Hmm. Last one, philosophical as well, emotional. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Thank you for doing your best. Nice. Thank you so much, Jesse, for your time uh, and sharing in our SIS Masters podcast. We've been together sharing great moments in Paris, Mexico, San Francisco. Curious to see when will be next one and where, and around which topics. Same. I know it will be about human topics, that's for sure. So I wish you the best in this new journey, this new opening coming to you. And uh, yes, we'll be in touch and we'll share with the audience you're contacting for to be in touch with you. Thank you very much. And if I can just take
1: 30 more seconds, the the piece of advice that I shared, you were not in either category. I did not, um, it had been a while since we spoke, but the way that you responded um, is just something I'll never forget. So, you're a lovely person. Uh, I truly appreciate every interaction we've had over time, right down to the very first one in in Mexico City in Coyoacan. Um, it was hot, you know. I remember being in that little kind of like bed and breakfast motel with a lot of the other speakers and like the interactions that we had in, in that time with those people were some of the most interesting I've had over my entire career um, because of the nature of who they were and how diverse the folks were. So you, you, the way you do your business, the way that you create opportunities for people to connect, the way that you're thoughtful about the things that matter in this world, you're really one of a kind. So um, thank you for being who you are and for allowing me to be a part of this.
0: Reciproct. See you soon, my friend. All right, thank you. Thank you all for listening to a new SIS Masters podcast. We'd love you to subscribe. Please leave a review or rate the podcast. It will help us improve. We'd love to see you in the next episode. Enjoy.